KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Rashawn Leak, and on the show tonight, well, I mean, you all know, we, we're, we're a pass-the-mic kind of station. So coming up, we got a Roundtable Tuesday panel on cannabis in Utah. City Weekly's third annual Cannabis Business Conference and Expo runs May 13th and 14th at the Utah State Park where you'll be able to learn about the medical benefits, the shifting political landscape, business opportunities, scientific and financial trends. Also on deck, it's Mitsu Salmon, artist in residence at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art, also known as Yamoka. We're gonna to talk to her about her Yamoka exhibition, Somatic Tracing, that features a combination of paintings and performances that draw from two movements that emerged in Japan after World War II. But first, let's do some rallies and resources with our own Laura Jones. What up, Laura? PM down here at the station. If you donated during Spring Radiothon, we're asking you to come and pick up your thank you gifts, which saves us mailing. We don't got franking privileges like Congress does. No, no. So uh, that's got to come out of the budget. Help us by coming down and picking up your thank you gifts, saying hi, maybe recording a station ID. If you got that arborist pack, you remember that? Oh, yeah. You get the bucket plant hat, tree. plant a tree, uh, okay. but you get seeds, and Aldine's bringing down all his seeds, so you can choose what you would like. If we mail it to you, you're going to get cucumber, basil, and zucchini, I think. Italian said, right? I heard his his little Italian starter. I was listening. All right, Al, I'm looking at you. And then uh, I don't know if you saw over the last week, Rashawn, the different rallies in defense of Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. the decision that it looked like the Supreme Court of the United States is preparing to repeal. So there are some more rallies coming up. In fact, on Saturday, May 14th, Planned Parenthood is hosting its Bands Off Our Beehive rally at 11 a.m. at the state capitol. That's 350 North State Street in Salt Lake City, folks. And then Sunday at the capitol, starting at 1, Pro-Choice with Heart will also rally to defend Roe. You can find more details on those at our Rallies and Resources page. It's under the Community Affairs tab at krcl.org. And then have you heard about Mural Fest? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about Mural Fest. It's pretty cool. It is. Uh, so various locations. It's a, set, it's a chance to see 10 new murals, meet this year's amazing artists, and celebrate with the community and South Salt Lake's Creative Industry Zone. Uh, we've downloaded a link for the map of this year's fest, which includes murals on Main Street, West Temple, 200 West, and 300 West, just south of 2100 South. Volunteers will also be on hand at the event providing directions as well. So watch for the Pink Mural Fest directional flags and giant balloons pointing this way. It's pretty cool because even when Mural Fest is over, you can still go and have your own Mural Fest. Right. It's walkable too. I suggest uh, parking, starting and finishing at Clever Octopus on West Temple. Oh, I like your style. The folks that we uh, created the stretcher record workshop with, they're in that creative zone as well. And then walk around, get what you need, and then come on back and get some art supplies that... You know, Clever Octopus, they keep that stuff out of the landfill. Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's right. Other folks get to make art. Speaking of art, we have some special guests joining you to talk about the 20th anniversary of 300 Plates. It's that annual Arts Access fundraiser. It's Thursday, May 19th. And now joining us, we have Art Access Executive Director Gabriella Huggins and artists Kat Palmer and Tyler Pierce. Rashawn, 
I got to do a little traffic here. We're going to spritz the mic oh, and make sure everyone's you know, safety stays first, y'all. Okay. Safety first. Yeah. You know what we do down here at the new station. Yeah. But Gabriella is with us from Art Access. Hey. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us on again. Of course. Of course. Thanks for being here. And Kat and Tyler, welcome to welcome to Radioactive. Hey, thank you so much. Yay. All right. So t 20 years of 300 plates. So, I mean, one, 20 years of doing anything the same is pretty impressive in itself. So what... Like, where did this come from? Like, where, where, where did this arise from this idea? Well, you know, th so Art Access has been around for almost 40 years, which is really interesting. So this 20th year anniversary is a huge milestone for us. Um, but there was a local artist um, 20 years ago who pitched this idea as a way for us to make money. You know, Art Access used to have a gallery downtown um, near the Art Space building, where the Art Space building is. Um, and Joe Ostroff came up with this plan to, you know, highlight local artists' work um, and make a fundraiser out of it. And so for 20 years, we've been going strong. It's a really, really popular fundraiser. It's my first time attending 300 Plates, okay. and so I'm quite excited to see how this goes down. Um, but I really want to spend the time talking about connecting this work back to our programs. I mm -hmm. think the big important thing for these fundraisers, especially for nonprofits, is that we make sure we connect the money that we raise um, back to the work that we do in our mission. And so I would love to hear Kat and Tyler talk about their partnership together and the work that they're doing in our oh, community. So you want to pass the mic? I Is do. that what I'm hearing? Oh, All right. hey, hey. Well, let's bring these artists in. So, so let's talk about it. So 300 plates. I mean, as an artist, how many you expected to, is it, is it an expectation? Do you just come in, you sign up for X amount of plates? What does that look like? Um, well, really how I got brought in was because I got partnered up with Tyler for the partners program. And then they also just invited me to be a part of the 300 plates. And Tyler has been doing the 300 plates for five years now. Oh, Tyler, gee. Is that oh, gee, that's yeah. what I'm reading. That's what I got my, in my notes. Yeah, and that's really impressive um, to be participating for that long because it's a really impressive lineup um, for the 300 Plates show. And then this year, I am also partnered up with Tyler for the Partners Program, and I am mentoring Tyler to learn how to do photography and learn how to use his new camera. All right. So so is that, like, how is that set up? So so you're, you're mentoring. So are you expected to do art as well? Or are you just going to, you know, Tyler, you, you step up to the plate and then it's all on you to make sure that you get a, not 300, but however many you do. What's that look like? So usually we do around two or three, right? Um, plates, uh, I think is the max. And uh, usually I do two. I've done three before. Okay. Um, yeah, no, you guys, you, you get to do anything you want with the material. All right. Given. Before my first year, we did these like weird, these weird clear acrylic plates that were kind of hard to work with. <laughs> and then we moved to masonite. And then the next year, we did better masonite. And then the last year, la last year we did either ma metal or or the good masonite. And then this year, we did masonite and also metal. Um, metal is hard to work with, so I switched off to the uh, last year. I switched to acrylic like halfway through. All right. So what is your medium? What do you normally work with as an artist? I usually work with mixed media and acrylic art. All right. So so basically what you're doing is you're trying something new for this for this specific program? Yes. All right. And so, Kat, what, have you done the actual plates before or is this your first year doing uh, it? No, I believe this is my second or third year, but honestly, I, I have pandemic brain, so I can't remember anything past 
the last two years. So um, I'm going to say for sure this is not my first year, um, but I cannot remember how many times I've participated in the past. Um, this is my first time doing the Partners Program, mm -hmm. which is a separate program from the 300 Plates show. Um, and that doesn't exhibit, I think, until January or... Right, we don't, we don't exhibit till January. So for Correct. context, the Partners Program, and we were, we've been on Carousel, thankfully, to talk about it before. Um, Tyler was actually in our last showcase earlier this year. Um, but the Partners Program is a partnership between an emerging and established artist in the city, and they work together for 25 hours over the course of the year to create collaborative work. So actually, these two people that we have hosting like that we're hosting right now, um, they are not only creating work for the 300 Plates fundraiser and giving their talent to raising money for our access, but also get the opportunity to make original work that we get to share in the community. So we get to do that as well. So Tyler and I are doing two things together. So it's kind of really cool. Um, so yeah, so I did uh, some photography and mixed media for the 300 Plates. I did two plates as well and I actually got to see Tyler's work that he did for 300 plates and it's so cool Tyler is incredibly talented and I feel really lucky to be working with him and I feel like I'm learning from him as well like he's pushing me as well as a mentor and he's pushing me to do poetry for Ooh, the stuff it. that we're working with which I think is so cool <laughs> so. Well, well why don't you I mean why don't you set the stage and, and give us a little like, what what people could expect when they would go down there and check it out well, basically, you guys have, what, over 180 artists 180 artists, more than 300 plates. So it's called 300 plates, but we always have at least 300 plates. But we're pushing on, like, 480, 500 plates, I wow. think, this year. It's all types of mixed media, right? We have photography. There's, like, woodwork and metalwork, a lot of paint. There's a lot of 3D um, art happening. There's these really amazing um, Swedish fish, like head-sized Swedish fish that are on these plates. Okay. And it's just a really great arrange of all the scope of the work that people are creating um, in this community. So it's a, a great way to support very specific programming that serves disabled artists in our in our city, um, but also highlights the creative prowess of what Solic has to offer, of what the state has to offer. Um, so folks can come down to venue 669 um, on the evening of, um, well, actually on the 18th, there's a VIP um, preview and a little party to celebrate our artists um, and community members who have supported us at some really exciting sponsorship levels that we're offering. And then also on the 19th, um, we're having the whole event. Um, it starts at 7 p.m. and you can come through and see gallery walls um, showcasing all of these 10 by 10 plates. So where can people go and check it out? So you can, your venue's at, venue is six, venue 669, which is on 669 South and West Temple. Um, tickets are on sale right now at artaccessutah.org um, backslash 300 plates. There you can also go to see a preview of the plates that will be up on Monday morning. Um, so if folks want to take a little inkling and figure out what's for what's up for grabs before they buy tickets, I highly encourage that. Again, we have some really great sponsorship, le sponsorship levels as well. Um, so if you're interested in getting some discounted tickets by donating at a little bit higher of a level, that's an opportunity for y'all. And um, one of the our highest level of sponsorship is that you get to be a curator. So you, someone gets to choose a plate for our access permanent collection, giving mm -hmm. at that level. Um, but yeah, please come out and support. Um, it's a great organization. The artists are incredible. I've grown a lot just watching the work that Tyler and Kat, people like Tyler and Kat are creating. And so I'm excited mm -hmm. to, yeah, I'm excited to just see who comes out. And it's our first year back in per person too. So please come oh, and yeah, support. Let's, let's I'm get excited. Up there. So Tyler, you had your hand up. What's going on, brother? Um, so volunteers are cool and I love being able to support you guys. My mom, actually, I, I talked her into volunteering for Theodore Plates nice. this year. So yay. <laughs> I love it. So what, so, so give us, can you give us a little, I, I mean, a little peek behind the curtain, if you will, of what, what the plates look like that you're working on? Um, yeah, one of mine is a vintage photograph. I love to find things in antique stores and bring them back to life and not just let them sit in antique stores. 
And then the other one is of, I love celebrating queer people in Utah and just having more visibility around that. And so um, I photographed my queer friend Esther during the pandemic. And so one is of her standing on some books, I believe. Um, is that correct? Yes, that's oh my correct. gosh. I turned in <laughs> my plates a while ago. You'd think I'd remember what I did. And so, um, and so I like to pair it with uh, quotes. And uh, so that's what mine is and quotes and spray paint art. And uh, so that's what I, that's what mine is. I did a really cool fly that I'm super proud of. Um, usually my art takes me a little bit under an hour to, cause I got to get it out of my head quick. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't like it being in my head. Um, my other one, I describe it as like a weird ovary thing. Cause I'm odd. How would you describe my <laughs> other one? I think so. that's accurate. I'm yeah. going to let you, yeah, you can, you can drive that. That's totally, it's good. I love it. And where, so where's the proceeds for this going? This goes directly to support our access programs. Again, we do programming. Um, this specific fundraiser um, generally supports the programming that we that we provide for disabled artists. So that pays um, Tyler and Kat to participate. That pays for some supplies. Um, it just really helps us make sure that we can ha- provide high quality programming and also compensate our artists. I think it's amazing to have established artists who lend their talent and skill. We want to compensate them for that. But I think because we're d- committed to professional development and meaningful creative opportunities for disabled artists, it means a lot to us to be able to pay um, artists like Tyler for their time and value their work because that work is as valuable as the established artists in our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's get some socials out here so people who are listening can go and find y'all. So where, let's start with you. Giselle, where can everybody find your social? Yeah, we're on our our Access Utah on Instagram and Facebook. Um, You can go to artaccessutah.org to find our um, ticket sales, but also information about community events. We have a lot of stuff, um, interesting stuff coming up throughout the rest of the year. Um, you can find us at Arts Festival this year where we'll be showcasing Tyler's work and other artists that we've worked with as well. Thank you. And I apologize. I said Giselle. I meant Gabrielle. So I apologize. And Kat, where can everybody find your work at? I am easy to find catpalmer.com and Kat Palmer Photography on Instagram. And I think folks... They know how to find me. I'm yeah. easy. Yeah, you're a local celebrity, if you that will. That is not true, but I'm just saying I'm easy to find. <laughs> and Tyler, where can everybody find you? Um, you can find my Instagram at happy underscore emo underscore arts on Instagram. And my band camp is sheep eats string. I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you three coming into the studio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having Thank us. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. And don't be strangers. Definitely come back. We'll get all that in the show notes tonight so folks can check it out. We're going to play a little musical chairs and ask our first guest to um, make way for our next guest. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the panel coming up while I get that done? Oh, yeah. So our next panel, next panelist we have is uh, artist Mitsu Salmon. She is a... Uh, Exhibitionist or exhibition somatic tracing currently on view. It features a a combination of paintings and performances that draw from two movements that emerged in Japan after World War II. So it's really interesting. What I, I had the opportunity to to check to check her work out online, and basically, it's it's the combination of two uh, different mediums that that she brings together. It's it's really wild. I you know me not being an artist and not being a dancer to see these combined. It's it's really impressive. So welcome to the welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of yeah. course, of course. Yeah. So I, I wanna I, I wanna talk about it. Like the the first thing I, I think is 
when you're when you're getting ready to create, you know, somebody, you know, especially because I saw it's it's a lot of dance and like what what comes first? Is it is it the you know the dance or the you know, or the art or the artist or the painting? You know, when when you're starting to collaborate, what are you thinking? What goes into it? Uh, each project is different. I think for this, oftentimes it's research like an idea that I've become interested in. So for this particular work, uh, somatic tracings, I went to the Marriott Library a few years ago and I saw this exhibition on Japanese Americans who built and maintained the railroads here in Utah, which I didn't know. I'm mm -hmm. Japanese American, I didn't know this history. And I became very curious about this history, so I start researching that and then researching about the Chinese Americans who built it and, and just researching the transcontinental railroad, which was you know from Sacramento to Nebraska. And um, so it started off with this research and then it's like I then have an idea and then I explore it through all the different mediums. So I explore it through voice, through paintings, through film, through writing, um, through movement. And then certain kind of mediums start to take the forefront because it just feels like that they make more sense for the work. And other ones start to um, be more in the back burner and maybe are incl not included. Right, so, right. But it often starts with an idea. Like last work I did was all about orchids. So I researched all about orchids. Okay. And this one's all, it's very much connected to the railroads. All so. right. So, so as you start doing your research, wh was there anything that you you uncovered that like surprised you? I mean, outside of it being you know transcontinental being here in Utah. Um, I mean, yeah, the uh, yeah the, the the Japanese. So I didn't know Japanese Americans helped to build it because apparently, according um, the Chinese Exclusion Act was in 1882. And because of that, then the Japanese start to take over some of those roles. And so I didn't know that history until I came here. Um, and I also didn't know about the dynamite. The dynamite was used to go through the Sierra Nevada uh, mountains in order to build the railroad. I mean, there's just so many things that I think I learned from this uh, history. I, yeah. I love it. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, as I was watching your work and then really like diving in about the, the transcontinental railroad piece, do you consider yourself an activist? Um, uh, in many ways, yeah. I mean, it depends like... Yeah, I, I, before I was here, I was in uh, Chicago, and I worked with um, Asian Americans for Environmental Justice in Chicago, and um, I've worked in with different kind of activist groups. Um, so, yeah, and in some ways, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. And yeah. so do you try and get that out? When, so when you're putting work together, is that something that's in, like, in the thought process, like, that you're, tr this is the message that I'm trying to get out. It's not just art, but there's, there's something that I want people to take away when they're seeing this? Um, yes and no, because it's still, it's still art, art in some way, so it can still be interpreted in different ways, and it's about the aesthetic, and it's about the emotion, but of course there's a strong reasoning behind it, mm -hmm. and it's connected to the activist work, but I also find that some ways they're connected, and some ways they're disconnected mm. in terms of, like, um, the, you know, I, yeah, I feel like they, for example, like calling a politician feels different than sharing a painting. Like right, they right. both might be talking about something similar, but one might, the painting might be more about the emotion or color, and it might be the same research versus, you know, calling a congressperson <laughs> and asking, you know, for yeah, yeah, yeah. policy change. So, um, but I find, um, you know, creating art 
a big part of it is to have discussion and not that there needs to be like, I guess why I say like, this is the right thing and you need to do this, but rather to open up discussion and have mm. a discussion. And I feel like through this work, I've been able to meet a lot of, I've collaborated with different people, been able to meet people. And, f and for me, it's been very expansive in terms of learn. Yeah. Learning, learning for, yeah, for you. And yeah. I love hearing that. So when, it, so I see you have some upcoming performances coming up. So yeah. when, when's the next one coming up? So the first one, the opening will be this Friday at uh, the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. And that will be, so I'm doing the performance. So the exhibition is paintings and mm. the paintings are very much connected to the explosion, but the cleansing of the explosions and this kind of, uh, ideas of transformation, so it's not just uh, weighted by that history, but a way of thinking about transformation. And the painting, some of them have mobile structures on it, so they can be moved. And I've been working with four dancers, okay. and then we've been moving the paintings, we've been coming up with choreography with the structures, and so they and I will be performing this Friday as part of um, the museum-wide opening. There's other exhibitions also opening up at the same time. Um, and then the other ones will be the 21st in May mm -hmm. and then June 4th as all well. Right. And all of that is on uh, UMOCA's website. All right. So you're working with some other art. So so you're working with some other artists, dancers. So how yeah. does that collaboration come together? Is this Were you familiar with their work prior? Or is that something where when you come into Utah, you're like, okay, let me let me see who I could work with? Um, well, yeah, so the work, like I said, was connected to the railroads, and then I was interested in this cleansing and mm -hmm. ideas of transformation. And so I was curious about how this history of um, this Asian-American history connected to labor, you know, with the railroads. What does that mean today? Um, and so I wanted to work with other Asian-American artists. And so I just kind of asked around, asked friends, like, or I saw a performance and asked them, or, you know, so I just started asking around and then um, found some really amazing performers. And I'd say it's, it's as much or more their work than mine because we often, we just, most of the ideas and the choreographies is theirs. It's structured improvisation. So I give an idea and then they respond to it and they tell me other ideas. And so I really feel like that and that particular work is much their piece is mine. I love that. I love that. So, so hearing you talk about it makes me think, is this something that is completely different? So, so when I go on the 13th or the 21st or the 4th, mm -hmm. would I expect something different every night? No, I mean, it, it's structured improv, so there's things, images or ideas or sounds that are happening at certain times. Each night will be different, and the fact that the movements might be slightly different, but the image is the same. So it might be I'm thinking about spoons, or I'm thinking about the railroad, or I'm thinking about um, movement connected to water. But the movement connected to water might be different okay. every time, but I'm still doing that movement connected to water. If all that right. makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. So, all right. So who are, you know, let's let's pass yeah. it. You know, so yeah. who are the artists that you're working with? Yeah, so the artists I'm working with, I'm working with Hannah Hyung, and I'm working who um, who just graduated from the University of Utah in the dance department, Jonathan Kim, who is part of the company RDT, um, and then Joshua Mora, who's a graduate at University of Utah in the dance, and Kelly St. Pierre. And so those are the dancers. And then I'm working with a sound musician, Kiku Hibano, in Chica 
I worked with him in Chicago when I lived there, and so we've just been working remotely, And but he made the soundscape for the whole piece. I love that. And so with May being Asian American and Pacific yeah. Islander Month, are you tying, is everything tying in because of that, or is just it's just coincidence? It's just coincidence, um, but it was like a happy coincidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, yeah, one of the events on the 21st um, of of May, we're, I'm, we're co the museum is co-hosting it with a couple of organizations, the Japanese American Citizen League and the OCA, um, to kind of have an event so that, um, like I met this woman, Margaret, who is a descendant of the railroad workers, wow. and so just kind of, hopefully that will be an interesting conversation to actually have people, you know, s for yeah. the community, but everyone's invited, but the, the, those organizations are happening. I love it. So where did the, where did the term somatic tracing come from? Yeah. So somatic means like from the body, like there's somatic practices from the body. And I think about what the body holds and what the body can express both in terms of the, the, the paintings, like how they're very gestural and how they're connected to the body. But then also what for my body, for the performer's bodies, what part of the history are we holding on to? What part are we letting go of? Mm. What are we reimagining? So it's thinks, thinking about the body and tracing, meaning like the remnants, right? Okay. Um, but it's not just the remnants because it's still happening. It's tracing. It's not traces or yeah. traced. It's still happening. So... Wow. All right. And so for our listeners, where can they find your work? So um, you can find my work on my website, which is my name, Mitsu Salmon, M-I-T-S-U-S-A-L-M-O-N, um, just like the fish, dot com. Um, it's also, that's at um, Mitsu Salmon for Instagram. Um, and if that feels like, yeah, too long, you can also just look at Umoka, U-M-O-C-A, and it has the exhibition and my information there on the website. Well, I love it. Well, I appreciate yeah. you stopping by the station yeah. and, and sharing your art with us and, and yeah. spending some time. So thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, yeah. of course. Well, we appreciate you. And when we come back, the Roundtable Tuesday panel on cannabis in Utah. But to get us there, we have Peter Tosh with Legalize It. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and their Love's Diversity Initiative. Mark Miller Subaru is a proud community partner of Project Rainbow, spreading love together this Utah Pride Month. Learn more at projectrainbowutah.org or markmillersubaru.com. Thank you to everyone who donated during Radiothon. This is Laura from KRCL's Radioactive program, and if you chose a gift for good, your gift will help not only your favorite community radio station, but fellow nonprofits like Race Swami, Volunteers of America, and Tree Utah. A portion of your contribution will help kids get into the pool, unsheltered youth get their ID, and plant more trees. If you missed your opportunity, it's never too late to chip in. Find Gifts for Good online at krcl.org. And thanks. Thank you. Welcome back to Radioactive and Roundtable Tuesdays. I'm Rashawn Leak. Coming up, Democracy Now! at 7, Vagabond Radio with Barbie at 8, Connor's Late Night Lowdown starts at 10.30, and Super Sounds with Chovy at 1 a.m. All of our programming in the Radioactive Archives may be found online at krcl.org. But now, let's get to our Roundtable Tuesday discussion. 
I wanted to talk about cannabis in Utah with some of the folks at this week's third annual Cannabis Business Conference and Expo at the Utah State Fair Park. More and more states have legalized some form of cannabis, including medical here in Utah. So how's it going since that happened? What's the political landscape like locally and nationally? And all of that and more is on the table with my panelists. Joining me now are City Weekly publisher Pete Saltis. The Alt Weekly is putting on the conference and advocating for the industry, much like it did the restaurants and bars over the years, and the peculiar Utah love laws govern them. Alyssa, Alyssa Somalis, uh, executive director of the Utah Cannabis Association, and I'm pretty sure I destroyed that name, uh, describes as the voice of the cannabis industry in the Beehive State, J.D. Lorenzen, head of le- legal compliance and government affairs at the Wholesome Company, a complete plant-to-patient medical cannabis company based in West Bountiful, Utah, and Cole Fulmer, publisher of Salt Baked City Magazine, Utah's first cannabis news and wellness magazine. What's up, y'all? What's up, Sean? Good us. to have you. It's good, good to have to, us. Uh, yeah, you. it's nice to have you. Welcome back, Pete. Uh, so, what is going on? So, medicinal marijuana in Utah. What, who would have thunk it? Because I know I didn't when I moved here eleven years ago. <laughs> so, so I mean, the the first question always has to be, how far are we from full on legalization? Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. I think it might um, be a minute. I think it might be a hot minute. <laughs> thank you, Alyssa. That's that's probably the more appropriate one. We are in Utah. We're never going to be the first. We're probably not going to be the last. But it's I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath, Rashawn. <laughs> All right. So so I should exhale. Is what is that is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah. All right. So let let's talk about it. Pete, set us up. So so 13th and 14th, we have the conference going on. What 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 can we expect if we go there as attendees? Right. So Utah can, our first event was in 2018, another one in 2019. We were one of the few events that had to cancel for 2020 and 2021. So our first one was we were wanted to raise awareness for the full spectrum use of, of the plant right before Prop 2. Advocates for it, City Weekly obviously, you know, wanted to make sure that patients in Utah had access and not be criminals for something, an alternative to opiates. You know, that's mm-hmm. a big problem in Utah. So for us, we got on board with that as soon as we heard a lot of those patient stories. Um, so for us, since we've had a three calendar year break, you know, we've had a a two year gap of when the medical system really like took hold and JD can kind of talk more about that, but it's been a learning process for me to have that, that piece of, um, industry that wasn't there for 18 and 19 for us. And, you know, Cole and Alyssa have been great allies and advocates for helping us learn what these guys are going through in the state of Utah selling legal weed. And I don't even know if they're even allowed to say that right now. I can, but I don't know if they can, you know. Um, but that's that's kind of where we're, we're at with Utah Can this year, um, talking about everything that the cannabis plant can do. We got some people talking about hemp, how it can help our our climate, our agriculture, our rural areas, all the way up to the, you know, several of the pharmacies that will be there on site. Obviously, no product. Right, right. Um, getting them there was is hard yeah, enough. You know? Absolutely. I don't absolutely. Because <laughs> you know they're waiting for it. Let's oh, just call yeah, that yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. And I'm gonna, I'm probably going to get slapped, too, for I don't know, you know. But I don't want that to happen to these guys. These are all friends in the industry. J.D. was there when we started Utah can so he's been there he knows what it, what we go through from the event promoter side and you know he's been great to talk to just you know about how 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 to meld in these uh the the pharmacies so yeah, yeah. Well, let, well let's pass the mic JD so so JD I mean 
liquor laws here are wild and and it is legal to have to have alcohol so it so what is it like trying to open up a shop you know to to sell legal medicinal marijuana you know i mean cannabis is the most overregulated or i guess i should say the most regulated mm-hmm. industry in, in in america right or one of the most regulated industries and it's different from state to state Obviously, here in Utah, you know, they've, they've followed much more of kind of a, a pharmacy, a traditional pharmacy model. And that presents some challenges because sometimes cannabis can be very similar to a pharmaceutical and sometimes mm-hmm. it can be very, very different. But the way we have to do business is very, very different, right? The, even to the, down to the way we have to pay taxes, right? Very, very different. Where right. We can't claim any normal deductions, right? And, 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 and other things like that, right? So you have those challenges on the federal level because it's still a federally illegal substance, right? So that creates a bunch of challenges, not only for businesses, but for people using the substance, right? Both legally and illegally. Right. Um, but then here on the state level, you have a whole nother set of, you know, rules that you have to play by. So it's, it's a very interesting spot to be selling something legal in the state of Utah that is federally illegal, right? And I hope they'll figure out the federal illegality, but that will, that'd be a topic for a whole nother show. Um, but for us as industry, it's just, trying to find a good balance with lawmakers and regulators to work together towards the success of the program. And I think you're starting to see that more. I still think there's quite a bit of tension, but I think you are seeing a more, hopefully a more collaborative approach to the success of the industry. But yes, it is still absolutely wild to wake up every day knowing that I'm going to basically be a legal drug dealer. So it's, you know, yeah. that's, that's a weird feeling to have, but also really cool and, on, and really cutting edge. And cannabis, you know, really brings together so many of the things I care about because it's not just about the plant, right? right? It's about everything that happened before and what we need to fix and, and what this can be going forward. Because, um, I mean, this truly is an industry that's going to create generational wealth. And I hope it creates that for everybody, you know, not just the few of us that are in now. I, I love that statement. And and so I want to, I you know, with regulation, I want to slide the conversation to you, Alyssa, with the Utah Cannabis Association. And, I mean, arguably acting as the voice of the industry here, at least on this panel. So what are members at the top? What are, what are their biggest fears? Like, what are they really worried about? Because, I mean, you know, I, I, I throw it out there. I, I've been uh, I've been a user of the medicine since probably 16, and I'm still very successful in what I do in many walks of life. And so I know there's a lot of stigma, yes. but, but what are they saying? Yeah, so stigma is a big part of it. I think industry members recognize that you can be a very successful human in any capacity and use the medicine regularly. I think that some of our um, operators use it every day to combat some of their ailments. And so they know that, they know that. They know that it's um, something that is successfully used. And I think the stigma itself is one of their biggest concerns because we take this to legislators and Mm -hmm. we take this to regulators and they have a preconceived notion of what a cannabis user is and Mm -hmm. what they look like and what they um, behave like and it's just not the reality in in the medicinal marketplace that we have all right let's cole let's bring let's bring you into the conversation with salt baked city magazine okay first of all the name is fire it's uh, <laughs> I, I love it so how's your readership what well no first let's go back to your journey what what started the magazine were you just ready like what 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 prompted that now, frankly, if you would have told me just a few years ago that I'd be starting a cannabis magazine of Utah, of all places, mm-hmm. I, I would ask what you were smoking. Um, <laughs> but I've worked in journalism for, shoot, it's, it's hard to say, but almost two decades now. Um, it's what brought me to the state back in 2010. I worked at the Park Record for mm-hmm. a small stint, and 
did a lot of freelance work here in the state, but um, jumping forward a little bit, when Prop 2 started to gain traction, um, you could see, especially as a journalist, that we had this well-orchestrated play between Capitol Hill and local media, not you guys, right. but to keep this in the shadows. And so the main idea for Salt Lake City is to bring this medicine <clears throat> excuse me, out of the shadows and uh, help break the stereotype, like Alyssa was saying. I love it. So what are your readers saying? What are they asking for? You know, our readers are mostly the medical cannabis patients that have signed up for the program. Mm -hmm. You know, back in 2020, when Dragonfly first opened up in March, we only had, you know, less than 2,000 patients. Now we're up to about 45,000 patients. And those are the people, 50,000 now, from what I've been told by JD, thank you. (laughs) Um, But it's it's growing. (laughs) It's been growing. And the main idea is to give some transparency to this program. Patients need to know before they go, let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Um, keeping this in the shadows is doing nobody any favors, especially the patients, the business owners, right. so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, and, and J.D., what, what does that look like? What does transparency look like, especially when when you talk about a, a plant that is uh, still currently on the Schedule 1? And so when, when people are, – are there still people who just fully don't understand all – of the benefits that this plant provides? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're fighting against almost 100 years of propaganda, mm-hmm. right? You're fighting against the war on reefer drugs. Reefer madness. Fighting right. against reefer madness, all of that stuff, right? And education, honestly, if I had to boil down what would be the best thing around medical cannabis, I mean, one of the best things here in Utah is just more education. People don't know what they don't know, right? But you also have, you do have people that I think are intentionally ignorant, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just, hey, this is, it's the reefer madness crowd, right? And they're hard to reach. But I've also seen a willingness of, of people to want to learn about this and to understand. Because, look, when you look at it, whether it's from an adult use perspective or a medicinal perspective, there are a lot of, like, you know, reasons to clarify things, right? Not only as a business operator do we want to be transparent and honest in the way we do things and produce clean medicine, right, and, and open and operate openly and honestly with regulators and lawmakers and all that. Yes. But there's also clarity that needs to come around access to the medicine, the quality of the medicine, um, educating around what what forms are people using, right? Just the word education to me is what it all boils down to because so many people, once they become aware, the, the light bulb goes on. And for so many people, what happens is, oh, a family member used it and it really brought them relief mm-hmm. or they had a chronic illness or they were on their deathbed and they got some relief in those last weeks and months of their life. That's usually what it takes. I would rather it not have to take that for people, right? I would rather it not have to be you go through something bad or something painful to understand the value of cannabis. I wish you could just understand the value. And and even if it's not your bag, at least support it for the people that it is. Right. I, I love that. I love that. Uh, Alyssa, does it feel when, when you're talking to people on the Hill, does when you hear when you hear what JD's talking about, does it feel anecdotal? And it almost like like this, they, they there's a lack of empathy of going on that people who are really struggling and really really dealing with some serious illnesses and who who don't want to use I you know and I I don't even like this term but don't want to use traditional medicine and because or because traditional medicine hasn't hasn't helped. Yeah, I think absolutely you're always going to have the naysayers. Like there are people that we can count on to vote no against every piece of cannabis legislation regardless. But I think um I mean we're 2 years in there are people that are coming around. We've got some good allies on the Hill and we have people who are very interested in learning more 
and who are um, genuinely, they can see the benefits. And so we're getting there. I mean, it's still so new. I think a lot of them have been set in their ways for a while, um, but they're open-minded enough to, to see what we're doing and see that it's effective and see that it's a thriving market two years in. I think they recognize where we can go. So I think there's hope. <laughs> I, I love that. And you're listening to Roundtable Tuesday edition of Radioactive on KRCL. I'm community co-host Rashawn Leak, and we're talking about cannabis in Utah in light of City Weekly's third annual Cannabis Business Conference and Expo at the Utah State Fair Park, May 13th and 14th. All right, Pete, let's take it back to you. So, so how do we continue to spread the word? Because, I mean, City Weekly has done an amazing job for the bar industry. So how do we turn that around and, or how do we spin that and, and help out the cannabis industry? Well, for us, I mean, the, the roadmap was very clear in 2018 that the, the state was going to keep it similar to the, the liquor program, right? So um, first of all, it's, it's the sensibility rules that have to, have to be weaned away from the state, mm-hmm. from my perspective. There are rules that JD and everybody else from Wholesome are teaching me something new every day, and I just want to shake every time I hear them because it's like, from my perspective, they're, they're operating a business that pay a lot in taxes for the mm-hmm. state, and they're not allowed to operate like a business, right? And I use the... I use the anecdote that I drive on 2300 East every day and I see a swig and no offense to anybody that and I may so know that, that yeah. knows swig or whatever, owns it, whatever. But like there's a line down the street every day at eight in the morning for sugar in the most copious amounts. And it's like they can do things like half off or just frankly advertising their business. And I'm like, why, why do they get to, why do they get to do that? But wholesome and the other pharmacies cannot, you know, they barely can, I, when they first were opening, uh, you know, they could. You guys couldn't have websites and, you know, garbs for their employees. They couldn't wear them outside, like stuff like that, Rashawn. Like, like let them operate sensibly. Let us let us be adults and make those decisions that, you know, the state claims on one side that they, you know, admire the independent responsibility, but then they shun it when it's, mm-hmm. you know, the sin, the sin things, drinking and smoking. And I'm just going to use those words broadly right now. You know, however you consume cannabis is, right, right. is your thing. But like. Those things are so regulated, and, and I understand you want to make sure people are safe, but let the businesses operate responsibly, you know, and that that's the, the first step. Allowing people to allow them to market themselves to, you know, in places like Salt Lake City that says, hey, we've got a half-off special. That helps the patients, right? So if these are the people that we built the program for and they can't access these, you know, discounts on a public level, then that's step one for me. Right. You know? And, and so I, I want to bring the conversation back. What is that? So what does that even look like? I don't, and I don't want to get you in, in trouble, JD. So, yeah. So if you, oh, if I've you, tried, I've tried, if you can't answer, you can't answer, but, but I mean, av- advertisement, it, you know, I, it's been a while since I was an undergrad, but, but advertisement is business one one If you don't put the word out, how do people know? So, so do they come after you and say like you, there, there's rules, like you have to stay within these parameters or there's, or you can't do it at all. So initially, that's what it was, that you couldn't do any kind of advertising outside of like a website, and you were very limited in the signage you could use and all that stuff. They This past legislative session, they did make some important changes around advertising, so you will see more advertising. The advertising that we used initially with our billboards and stuff was through our courier service, and that was allowed. They've made some changes, but you will start to see more uh, advertising. Um, but it's still very, very restrictive, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, what – 
you know, what's good for the goose isn't always, I guess, good for the gander right. sometimes, right? And so it's it's hard to know that other businesses, especially businesses that produce, in my opinion, harmful mm-hmm. products or harm increasing, not harm reducing products, being able to advertise very, you know, kind openly. of openly and flippantly about things. And, you know, I mean, the fact that to me, alcohol can be on the side I was of hoping NASCAR, you were going there. Yeah. Right? Like, we don't want to promote drunk driving, but we'll put Crown Royal, not to single them out. We can single out Jack Daniels or whatever you want to yeah. on the side of a, a NASCAR. But then we as a cannabis company are very, very limited in what we can do. And it's like that across the country, right? Everybody has these advertising restrictions that they have to fit into. But I will say Utah is not the most restrictive and the changes they recently made are going to be helpful for us. And so we're grateful because we have found, as Alyssa said, those allies on the Hill that are willing to, to have some reasonable discussions and they have a lot of the pull. But I also just, it's pretty amazing to work in what is the next big thing and not being able to tell the whole world about it. I mean, crazy. you, you want to, you want to scream from the rooftops. I mean, we're, I'm looking at a magazine right here, my guy, Salt Bake City, and I'm, I, I want to see it. I, I want to see advertisement. I want to see specials. I want to see local deals. I mean, we are, a, we're a state that prides ourselves on tourism and we bring people in and we have these draconian laws that are stopping businesses from really growing and flourishing. And and we also pride ourselves on entrepreneurship. So Cole, what like what what are you trying to do? I see we got a special in here. You wanna talk about what's going on here, brother? <laughs> well, you know, and this this issue of Salt Bake City is the first one since we started where we could actually include pharmacy advertising. Mm. First year we were going to print, I, I couldn't rely on the industry I was reporting on to produce the magazine. So I'd have to sell advertising to local bars, hemp, CBD stores, making it it really difficult. Um, Best way I can describe it is we're a shadow industry and that's how, you know, I don't want to say just state officials, but it's how they single us out and keep us out of the the public view. Um, Now that pharmacies are able to advertise, you're probably going to see billboards popping up um, it makes my life easier running a cannabis publication Absolutely. a lot easier. Um, but the idea is just letting patients know before they go. Like I said earlier, um, we have a lot of new cannabis consumers here in Utah where our market is different than California, Colorado, Oregon. We have people picking up the medicine for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when they're reading Salt Lake City, they're reading about Cannabis 101 stuff, the very beginning. But then we also have content for the sewers. Um, full spectrum, so to speak. Right. But again, it's don't tell anybody, you know, I'm using education and accurate, reliable news to bring back local journalism in Utah. And I'm using cannabis to do it. Uh, (laughs) I I love that. I love that. So, so I want to, this, this thread has come through in, in a couple of each, each of the points you've made education. Where are we lacking and, and how do we how do we better for it? I mean, because I'm just going to put this out there, Laura. We are a, we are a state who struggles with education. We struggle with sex ed. We struggle. We struggle with just edu- I mean, I, I've always I, I, I've always found it pretty bizarre that we have two or three very top tier universities and, and our education is lacking. So what, what are you hoping to see from an education standpoint from the state, Eliza? Um, with the Utah Canvas Association, we do have patient appreciation nights where we are striving to allow um, potential users and current users to come and just 
learn more about the product and ask the questions that they want to ask. Mm -hmm. um, our next one's scheduled for June 29th. We have one in September, and then we have one coming up in December. Um, but like Pete's event this weekend is a perfect place to go and learn about this industry and how um, robust it really is going to be. Go ahead, Pete. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about education. I, I think not just with our event, with other events that will will come about in the in the cannabis space. Um, you know, I'm going to just jump a, a whole Get it. lake here. Get but it. like, you know, we run the Utah Beer Fest. We have a sampling event. Like, I would absolutely love it if I could have a sampling event with actual products on site. Now, JD's probably shaking a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, but that that's my... Line, huh? <laughs> but down the line, you know, whatever, let's get through this one. But those are the types of events that will come where you can talk to somebody, an expert that says, hey, this is what this is a product like the the, the times that I've gotten to talk with these folks. It's like and, and you know how they're coming about, like making new strains and mm -hmm. what they're going to do. It's insane. Like in in the last like six months, I've learned so much from like the people in this room that, you know, how can you try something you want to buy a whole thing like i love sampling events for that reason it's like oh let me just let me have a little yep. a little whistle of it you know um but uh for one that that would be pretty cool um but generally like talking about it in in a in a in a safe space that's not taboo like Alyssa said like events like ours like one of the one of the panels that we have both days um it's from a, a woman named Colette. We're doing a mindful use panel, mm -hmm. just talking about breathing, you know, and just mind, like mindfully using the product, like stuff like that. If the state sees it or other people see it, it's like, okay, it's not like just for the stoners. Like, yeah, let's just use it appropriately. And again, like let us be adults a little bit and, you know, work through this together. So like little events like that, I think can happen um, down the line, but to being able to get into a room and talk about it and not, feel ashamed and you yeah. know that that is why jd you were there like we did our first event in uh in uh draper mm -hmm. we wanted to get people oh, from utah okay. county yeah, yeah. again raise awareness so stuff like this has to happen throughout the state it has to be you know wasatch front all the way logan down to down to provo has to be in rural utah that's who makes the laws you know that yep. you know this so it's like once we talk about the impact that this will have for the whole state not just you know the demonic salt lake city you know i think will be I think we'll be okay. It's going to take some work, though. So I'm glad that these guys are here because these guys are the ones doing all the work. Right. And so what what does education for you look like, J.D.? Yeah, to me, I mean, I, I take a little bit of a different approach to this. I do love to be with like-minded people, right, and right. be in an echo chamber because it always sounds so good. In oh, there. yeah, it does. Um, but I really like to talk to people that are not friendly to cannabis, mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I, I like winning hearts and minds is like what we have to do in our business. So I love being able to change, you know, people's minds about cannabis. And it's part of why I started my practice when I was in private practice before I joined Wholesome Co was to show that, you know, as a professional, I, I was willing to support the industry and support the movement and the program. Um, but also to, you know, to be, you know, being a medical cannabis patient myself now to say, look, <laughs> I'm high functioning. And I can do this. So those are the people I like to get to. Right. You know what I mean? But also just with your family and your friends, I always challenge people. I said, it's a great conversation starter. Trust me. Even if people don't want to talk about it, they'll talk with you about it. Yeah, right. And, and I think that's the other place to, you know, to, to, to go. And really what it boils down to is normalizing the use of cannabis. We've normalized the use of so many other things in our lives and substances and different things. 
we should be able to do the same with cannabis and do so responsibly in a way that oh no you know you don't have to you know lock up the you know your 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 wives and your children and stuff and watch out for everybody right like we can do it responsibly we can do it in a way that's meaningful and we can really help people and we can help we can stop plugging so many of these other substances that we now know are not right you know not right, the best right. for people and start supporting something that is and this is a harm reduction tool this is an exit drug I mean, as you said, we should be shouting this from the rooftops, right? You know, you should be on top of a mountain saying, hey, yeah. cannabis is the truth. You know what I mean? Um, but it's not a panacea. But I also think that you have to get to those people whose minds you have to change, not just those that agree with me already. Go ahead, Alyssa. If I could. Um, I think it's also really important for people who are current users to be able to like contact your legislators. Figure out who your legislator is. Reach out to them and tell them your story so that they understand how it's benefiting our communities. Um, and that way they can come into their legislative sessions when our bills are in front of them with a more powerful perspective of what it's actually doing for their constituents. I, I love that. And, and JD, I wanna, I wanna take it back to you. So, I mean, we're in Utah, you know, Pete said Draper. So I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't just call it out. So what is middle-class white, white church-going Americans saying about this? Because that's our that's our demographic we're going after in this state. Um, you know, not being a part of the you know the church yep. myself. You know, I, I'm not sure if I have all the all the real insight <laughs> to some of those things, right? But I think you are seeing this uh, an acceptance growing just across the country and even here in Utah, mm -hmm. and you're starting to see it more and more, right? The, it's like I keep saying, it's the normalization of cannabis, and for us as a company at Wholesome Co, that's the mission that we're on is to normalize cannabis use for anyone that needs it to treat, you know, their, their qualifying conditions and stuff like that. You know, that's, that's what it is, right? Is, is, is making it as normal as, as taking an aspirin or taking another prescribed, you know, you know, uh, prescription from your, from your doctor. It should be no different than any other medical treatment. Yeah. Except the fact that you can actually grow it yourself and you don't, and you can pronounce everything that's in it. I was going to say, that's another, that's another uh, discussion. We'll bring me back for another show. Oh, we, we and and that, we right? absolutely will. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, but before I let you all go, let's, let's uh, do a round table and give some uh, socials where everybody can find you. Alyssa, you want to start us off? Oh yeah. We're at utahcannabis.com and our Instagram is at utahcannabis. All right, JD. Um, you can find us at wholesome co-cannabis. Um, and then you can find me personally at the leafy lawyer. And before I forget, I've got to say hi to my mom, Get Roberts, it. Montana. <laughs> hey, mom. Um, Love it. But if you like cannabis in Utah, make sure you follow Salt Lake City on Facebook, Instagram. Our website is saltlakecity.com. Um, reach out if you have any questions about cannabis in Utah. Love it. And Pete? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, City Weekly, SLC Weekly, or Utah Can. Kind of like a some of these guys have probably already dealt with i lost my cannabis account like three weeks ago so that was fun um so i have a new one utah.can <laughs> so <laughs> this is the welcome to the industry pal. yeah yeah <laughs> that's how you guys jamming with each other on what your actual handles were and it's yeah i had to i found that out way too close to this event but <laughs> so rashawn just dipping in here as uh, the executive producer and just wondering what your takeaway is from uh, all of this like you had mentioned earlier in the in the panel that you uh, use. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, so I partake of the medicine. <laughs> the herb. So um, what do you think about what you've heard and where things are going? Any point you'd like to press in terms of how you want to see it evolve in the community, up from the people? Well, I, I mean, one, the, the stigma has has to end. You know, when, when you're, when you're, if you're paying attention and reading polls, you realize that not just in Utah, but in the country, 
I would say over 75% of people not only approve it, but have, have tried it. You know, and so if we're all walking around and, you know, no one's zombies, no one's eating each other, you know, we've, we're all doing all right. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things where it, it's time to really, you know, really open your minds and really start doing, doing research instead of, instead of just believing what everybody's telling you, it, it's time to, you know, time to take stock because there is benefits, you know, JD called it out like we, we know firsthand what tobacco does. We know firsthand what alcohol does. And I, you know, years ago I was walking, I was in a parade. We have a pop parade in New York, Laura. Oh yeah. And, uh, parade. Yeah. Yeah. It's been going on. Can we do I, you that know, on the uh, yeah, I don't know if that'll happen for 20 here, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I was talking to an officer, you know, and I, and I'm, you know, I'm chief in a blunt and I, and I asked him and I'm like, you know, officer, like, where would you rather be? Would you rather be here with us, you know, in this drum circle, or would you rather be participating and patrolling on St. Patty's Day Parade? And he's like, with, uh, I can answer that, and I can answer that for our whole department. I would rather be here with you because it's it's peaceful. You know, it's you don't have to worry about somebody getting too high and deciding that they want to fight somebody. That is not that is not the mo. So it's just. It's just, you know, I, I'm excited to see how far we've come, but we still have a lot of work to do. And and it's groups, it's groups like everybody I'm looking at right now who are gonna help us get there because it's 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 you know, it's one conversation at a time. It's it's you know, when you when you realize that the 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 neighbor or the person you walk work with have that you have so much respect for and you find out that, you know, when they have a hard day, they they relax with a you know, a nice session and you know and, and they calm themselves down or whatever the case. And it opens your eyes like, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, I, I didn't I didn't think you did that. And you realize that there's a lot of us that that wake up every day, go to work and do our thing. But I appreciate all you guys for being in here. And, and that's our show, y'all. So I, I hope you found something during the show to give you hope, get you off the couch, get you off the phone and help you in the community. So so thank you again. Take care, you know, and and one day we'll all, we'll all be there and we'll legalize it. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.